Hi, I'm Billy. She, they. And I'm Jordan. She, her. And this is the Rebel Movement Podcast. The show where we are declaring freedom from diet culture and toxic positivity, from mental health, diet culture in the fitness industry, to pregnancy, postpartum, and everything else in between, we're here to talk about it. This is a Rebel Movement. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm feeling um, a little excited today because I oh. made jam for the first time. <laughs> I was going to say, Which, I, I didn't want to say like, oh, you look really good today because I, I don't know. I felt like that would be not, it's not what I'm trying to say to people anymore, but I really like, mm. I, I don't know. You just, you looked like lit up, I guess. It's a way better way of saying it. Like when I opened this up and I yeah. saw your face, you just looked happy, like glowing. Aww. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, I had a pretty good couple of days. I, like I say that yesterday was not the best, but it was just one of those days working in retail. I'm sure people who oh. work in retail already know. I don't even need to say anything, but it was just one of those days. Yes. You know, and um and also add in like I had I don't know how many things I had like two days worth or like two people's worth or worth of work to do does that make sense in my like shorter shift than usual um which is okay like it's very understandable circumstances but add that on top of everything else I just was like feeling pretty done by the end of the day but I um on the weekend went strawberry picking with my stepkids and um we went to a rescue farm close to where they live which was like the best day ever it was for my youngest stepkiddo's 10th birthday but it may as well have been for my birthday next week because <laughs> it was the most fun <laughs> um and then I made jam with the strawberries and the rhubarb from my partner's um yard today which was so fun because the strawberry rhubarb jam is my absolute favorite and I haven't had it in like so long because it always seems to have lemon in it which I can't have mm-hmm. yeah strawberry rhubarb anything is like just yeah it's like mm-hmm. summer flavors yeah we had a rhubarb plant growing up as well my mm-hmm. mom used to make the like strawberry rhubarb crumble a lot um, like a lot a lot which you could easily easily make gluten-free um, for you, if you have any leftover or plans to acquire more, <laughs> <laughs> I have, I think I have two and a half pints of strawberries left, like little, is that the little ones? And yes. I have like, I have some rhubarb, so I could 100% make crumble with the rest. Yeah. Crumble, um, you know, just make like a little like puree of it and throw it. Oh, you don't like pancakes, but, uh, oatmeal or whatever else <laughs> <laughs> or ice cream ice cream yeah I had uh roasted rhubarb ice cream on oh sometime last week that sounds good yeah we were in Ottawa and I had some and it was fantastic <laughs> I wonder if you could do like an apple crumble ice cream oh or, absolutely. Uh, sorry rhubarb crumble yes. ice cream. yeah well we go strawberry rhubarb ice cream oh my god yes. I'm gonna find a way I'm gonna do it and I'll report back do it <laughs> Um, yeah, that's been like, you know, that's basically the highlight of my day because I've never jammed. I've never made jam or anything. Never jammed like before. <laughs> never jammed before in the food sense. <laughs> I was in a band at one point, but in the food sense, I'm never, <laughs> never jammed before, but I felt like very weirdly proud of when, like I heard all the pops of the tops of the yeah. mason jars and stuff. Um, and then I've also had just some I won't give away any of the details obviously but I've just had some awesome interactions with um like clients and some cool new opportunities that I'm very excited about that um whenever anyone messages me on Instagram or whatever and they tell me like how say my post impacted them or my work impacts them it feels like a it is something that just fuels me for the next, like at least the next day. Yeah. It's, um, I feel like people don't necessarily know 
the impact, the impact that has. Yeah. But when someone messages me and they're like, Hey, I just saw your reel. And it like made me feel so seen mm-hmm. or whatever. It's like the best, the best moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's, I mean, as we've talked about, it can be like tricky sometimes. And, um, I th- I'm sure that I know that from like talking with other business owners, it's a pretty, uh, universal experience where there's sometimes where you're like, you know, having a hard time. And then you get like a, a client or like someone comes into your store or whatever. And they say like, wow, this is a great store. Like, this is an awesome place. Or like, you were really nice to me today. And it made, a, you know, like little moments like that make such an impact in other people's lives. And it, I don't know. I just feel really grateful for those today too. Um, I'm like, I don't know why, but the marketing part of me really wants to also explain to people that I'm sure DMs are fantastic to receive, but if someone's work really, really resonates with you, liking, sharing, commenting, like literally telling your friends, forwarding the email newsletter that you just received and saying like, look, you need to sign up for this. This is amazing. Um, like if you had a positive review, obviously like you reaching out in person or through DM is, is really, really special um, to receive as a business owner. I'm certain. Uh, but telling your network of friends, how much somebody's work is meant to you. Uh, it doesn't even have to be that vulnerable. You just say, Hey, look, I like this real period. You know, <laughs> you mm-hmm. don't have to add more to it, but um, not only does it bring visibility, like bring like, you into their network, it also helps boost the post to your own followers um, because the algorithm will restrict the amount of people that it shows any given thing to, unless it starts doing really, really well. And then it will be shown to more people. So let's say Billy has like, I don't know, a thousand, I, I, don't, I don't know how many people you have on following you on Instagram. <laughs> let's say you have a thousand people. Um, you post a reel, they like reels. So they'll show it to like, I don't know, 50 people initially. And that's because they like reels. If it's a picture, it might be like 20 people that get that show it first. And those are the people who've engaged with your stuff the most often. If people start to share it, like it, uh, save it is really important. And I have like a person, I know this is a huge tangent, but I have a like small business folder in my saved thing. So for small businesses, I'll just take the save, put it in the small business folder. Like it's any kind of shit, like uh, more political stuff that I think obviously needs more impact. I'll save it in another folder. I just have them divided just because, but it's not important to divide them like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that will help boost it because the save button is almost like a super like. So it's like a it, it, if a like is worth one, a save is worth 10 hmm. points. Um, so anyways, just all this to say, like if someone's work is really impacting you and really meaningful to you, uh, or you have a friend who has a small business, um, I don't know, just like <laughs> fangirl a little bit and like yeah. help them. It's free. It's not difficult to click through links, to like stuff, to share stuff like, and no one's ever going to come after you like for sharing all their posts and be like, you know, what a weirdo who's sharing all my stuff. It's like, no, you're, <laughs> you're just trying to find a way to support somebody if, because you don't have the financial means to go and buy everything that they make, you know, like yeah. you just want to help them. And that's like, because social media is such a big part of marketing right now. Um, and it's such a, like a accessible in terms of like finances uh, way for small businesses to get their message out there. It's, you know, really appreciated uh, for people to engage with content. And I know that, it, I mean, it is asking a lot, but you know, if you have time, sharing shit is helpful to small businesses. Mm. It like really truly is. Anyways, and end of the rant. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very good. It's very true though, because it's, there's been so many times where people have shared my reels or posts or just talked about what, like their class they took or whatever in their stories or talked to their friends, whatever. And I've, it's come back to me in such a noticeable way, whether it's like a follow or new clients and it's, Mm-hmm. is so helpful because it's the person whoever it is that's seeing like your friend is going to see your post like you shared my post on your Instagram for mm-hmm. example your friend's going to see that and because your friend trusts you they're going to trust that I you know my content is cool or like <laughs> whatever yeah um 
it's really helpful. And I always am so um, kind of blown away whenever I see that. It doesn't show me unless some, someone tags my Yeah, no, I've, my I've noticed that recently, but yeah. Yeah. So I, sometimes I'm just like scrolling through stories or something and then I pop up and I'm like, whoa, that's really cool. And I get really excited. Um, so I always, I'm never creeped out by it. I'm always very excited yeah, about no, it's just other like even artists I follow I'm like wow I, I love all of their stuff and so I just like try to sh- remember to share as much as I can and definitely mm-hmm. like and save because those buttons are right next to each other you just bam 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 <laughs> all the way down like I don't know it's just I just think it's kind and helpful and um mm-hmm. yeah all that to say like don't stop like emailing in and uh dming yeah. and stuff like that obviously those are really beautiful things for you to take the time of your day to message someone but if you're looking for other ways to su- support uh non- non-financially those are good ways too mm-hmm. yeah that's true mm-hmm. um so we're wanting to talk today I think this is the first time in all of our episodes that we haven't like had some sort of natural segue <laughs> which is totally fine this is great too I like um whatever just happens naturally but I just feel like that's a big deal for how many we're how many episodes in and like we've just naturally segued it every time that's pretty <laughs> maybe we have figured out life is that our thing from the first episode good at life <laughs> so weird that episode <laughs> yes yes um yeah it's fun though. It was, I feel like we've gotten less, I shouldn't speak for you. I'm not trying to say that you're awkward. I just said, Oh I feel no, like that was, I weird. That was not awkward. a great, okay. that was not a great, uh, I don't think I came off across very well. <laughs> Hopefully we're getting, uh, a more, I hate the word authentic, but closer to what I am in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I hope we're getting towards. <laughs> Yeah. I think that it's, um, I think that it just takes practice. Yeah, exactly. I think it it takes practice to figure out, I don't know how your voice, how your voice sounds. Is that what I'm trying to say? I don't know how to take up space in this way. Yeah. All those things. Anyways. Um, so I just, we don't actually, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, I was just going to say there's, this is really random. There's just like, it sounds like there's dishes in the background. And just, if anyone's listening to this and it's, uh, I find sometimes when I'm listening to a podcast and there's like background sound, I, if I don't know what the sounds are, I get really distracted. So I feel like just maybe to give a heads up to people, if like we're all safe, it's not like, I know whatever your imagination is doing, it's nothing, (laughs) uh, dangerous. (laughs) I'm sure that's not what your imagination is doing, but um, <laughs> clearly I'm not very good at doing this part. <laughs> this part's not great. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we want to talk about, um, well, you want to talk about more uh, inclusive uh, inclusive teaching, I guess. It's how how yeah. would you word it? Yeah, I think that like more inclusive speaking, I think that it could relate to people who are not teaching, but there's, there's going to be some things who are, that are a little bit more specific to teaching, but it might be relatable in the fact like you've probably been to a, a studio and not necessarily understood, like, you know, when you leave a room, like you leave a conversation and you're like, oh, something felt weird. Like I felt, I feel bad leaving that conversation. I'm not sure why. And then you like talk to a friend about it and you're like, oh, like this person came off, like the person like made me feel like this because of this, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it might be helpful to hear it, to understand previous uh, experiences, if this makes any sense. I feel like maybe this is not my best explanation of what we're talking about, but I, some of the stuff might be a little bit more um, obvious, but I wanted to touch on some of the things that well maybe I'll start with things that are um more helpful for like for anyone one of the first changes um wow I feel like I'm doing a really bad job of talking about this (laughs) okay using pronouns my I don't we say it in the intro I'm non-binary and uh I didn't I've just sort of figured this out in the past year ish um 
So I just wanted to say that as we're talking about this, as to like why this particular part is important to me, but using pronouns or non-gendered language when you're teaching or sort of just every day. Um, if you know someone's pronouns and you're like, you know, obviously you are welcome to use them. If you forget them, ask the person, or if you don't know them, um, you might, you know, introduce yourself like, hey, I'm Billy, my pronouns are they or she. And that just sort of opens the door to hearing them. If you're talking to a person or in a class, sometimes it might not be needed, but, um, also not using gendered language. Some of the things are so, I guess, normalized that it's really difficult to catch some of them, like saying, hey guys, or hey ladies, or um, I can't think of other ones, but, or assuming, um, assuming that everyone who is female presenting are the only ones that have uteruses or period cramps. Um, I've been in classes or talked to teachers before where they'll say like, oh, I always say that this pose is good for cramps when there's only women in the room. Um, but it's, you know, not always uh, things are, it's not always, it's not, it's definitely not that simple. So that's one of the first things that's definitely more relevant to everyday uh, conversations. And some of it I, like can be a little bit tricky to get out of the habit of, especially if you're, you know, you've been saying like, hey guys, every single time you see your friends, like for the last however old you are. Um, but some of the stuff that I think is um, more teaching specific, but relates to diet culture in general is assuming how a pose should feel. Sometimes when we're teaching, or we're teaching a pose, we might communicate how a pose feels for us. So if we really like um, a back bend, we might say like, oh, this gives you energy, this feels great. So you're gonna feel it specifically like across your chest. But if someone has trauma or if just their body is built differently or for a million other reasons, they might take this pose and be like, oh, this feels, awful. Maybe they don't feel it in the front of their chest. Maybe they feel it in their back or maybe they immediately go into a panic attack. Um, saying things like, oh, this, this is like even better than drinking coffee. Like what's, who's, what's wrong with coffee? Coffee's great. Pose might be helpful as well. Also, but it's maybe not you don't like coffee. Like, like, yeah. <laughs> my coffee is yeah. pretty fantastic. <laughs> um, along those lines, I remember teaching once, um, it was one of those times that I learned a, kind of that lesson the hard way. So I was, I, I love a backbend. Um, I don't love when people throw themselves into a backbend and do that um, carelessly and to like going deeper means like, just like tossing your back backwards and like fingers yeah. crossed hoping for the best there's a lot of form that goes into it and I find that uh that part gets skipped over a lot in the instruction because it's about mm -hmm. like the beauty and depth of the pose and like uh for yoga specifically like this isn't um it's a probably terrible example but I wanted to say like this isn't gymnastics or dance like it's not about yeah. what it looks like um at all and I'm sure there's a lot more technicalness to it for mm -hmm. dance and gymnastics so definitely <laughs> I have no expertise in that area but um I was teaching um like a block down the spine kind of progression so it's when you're lying on your back and you have a like a cork uh usually yoga block um you put it underneath the you know kind of upper portion of your back for a little bit you lie there on top of it and then you would kind of get up a little bit move it down a little further and uh, rotate the orientation of the block lie on top of that for a little bit and then like, rotate the orientation of block again, move it further down your spine and lie there for a little bit. Um, at the end of the class, I found out <laughs> that one of the people in the class had just had open heart surgery and they were struggling really hard for that mm -hmm. first part where it was be, uh, behind your, mm, I wanna say thoracic spine, the upper part of your spine. Um, which obviously is where your heart is. I don't know why I'm trying to draw those, <laughs> connect those dots for you. Um, 
but yeah, Maybe people at home don't know, you know, and it's not at even home. something that I had considered, but obviously something to pay attention to and to be very aware of um, when you're teaching that, yes, this makes me feel really good, but I also am not just recovering from open heart surgery. You know, like, I don't mm. know what that feels like. And yeah, there's a lot of trauma on her heart muscle right now. And so bending over a block, mm. um, you know, even at that stage, like I always try to give a lot of options and I was always, or I hope I always came across as, um, you know, um, I don't know, I think I would always phrase it like, if you made a mistake and went too far in the you know, options I was giving, just like come back a few steps, like just go back to the last place that it felt good. Um, but even then I was like, fuck, like I should have been paying more attention to why she was uncomfortable and like go over and, you know, kind of pay more attention. So I do feel like part of, and correct me if I'm wrong, because you've had a lot more training in this than I have, but part of more inclusive teaching or more aware teaching is really paying attention to, um, all the students in your class. And if you see discomfort in any way, shape or form, like if it doesn't look like relaxation, just, hey, <laughs> you look uncomfortable. Can I do something to make, to make this more comfortable for you? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I think if we had gone down to just like a blanket, we would have been a lot less high, a lot less um, sharp too, um, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe a lot more comfortable, or we could just opt it out. <laughs> you just lie on your yeah. back for a little bit if that's still comfy, or lie on your side if it's more comfortable. Like mm-hmm. we don't need to do this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It can def- it can definitely be helpful to be like paying attention to the people. That said, sometimes people don't like show how they feel on their face, mm-hmm. and you can't really know. Or you know, we're in that situation where we like we don't know if maybe they just don't like our class or maybe they don't like this posture or maybe they hate the song that just came on or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. maybe they just got stuck in their head. Like there's so much happening. I think it can be really helpful to just give a bunch of options, Mm -hmm. which I know can be difficult for some people, especially from certain teaching or teacher training backgrounds. They, you know, like kind of shit on that. Like don't not having too many options, like getting straight to the point, like teaching the one option, but that's just not how bodies work. And if you give people options without the hierarchy, now like do this option, or if you have to do this option, mm-hmm. if you have the strength do this option or do this one, like that's not really giving options. That's saying like, you know, one is better than the other. Exactly. And like, oh, the people who are doing the other options, like, oh, you need work, which is not how we want someone to feel mm-hmm. in a practice. And it's also not true. Like, so trying to give a bunch of options, like you could do this. Um, like use a blanket, use a block, just lay down with your, I try not to use the word just, I know I just did it then, but like lay down on your back or, you know, give a couple options so that the person can take, not responsibility, but what is the word? It gives them a chance to make a decision for their own body, which is not something we necessarily have in like, I wish I could remember the word because it's so much, it's so helpful, but it's like, autonomy mm-hmm. we have autonomy over our own bodies yeah and we're giving the student that which they deserve to have in practice mm-hmm. and we give them you know a bunch of choices and straight up say like hey you can do one pose here or you could do none you mm-hmm. could do a bunch of poses you could do like an extra pose like mm-hmm. but the most important part is how it feels in your body and in the reality it also is more important how they feel than what we say sometimes it can feel difficult um, like we might have stuff come up around if someone else is, someone's like not doing any of our class, it can feel like a, it can feel difficult for us. It can feel like, oh, we've, maybe we've done something wrong. Um, which is, I think like a normal, it can be a normal reaction to it, but that is not necessarily coming from a place that is, I guess, seeing all perspectives, like, mm-hmm for sure feel that like process that on your own time because there's nothing wrong with that emotional response but the person laying down instead of doing your class is that they feel that means they feel safe enough in your class to listen to their body and take space 
-hmm. which is a big deal. A person doing a different variation, maybe they, maybe they don't know the pose or maybe they're feeling better that way. Or, and that's sometimes like, if you're not sure if it looks like something that might be, you know, unsafe movement, like talk to them individually and say like, Hey, I'm noticing you're taking this, you know, variation. How's that feeling for you? Um, or like, why do you, why are you doing this? Not in a mean way. (laughs) Um, because it gives them the chance to be like, Oh, I learned that this feels better for me or, Oh, Hey, I have this like hip injury. And when I put my feet in this position rather than that one, it feels better. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think, yes, it's helpful to, to pay attention to the, to the students and check in with how they're feeling, but it's also helpful to give them all of the options without, um, the saying like this one's better than the other one, because that gives them a chance to, um, check in with how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. And it is, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I have like three different things I wanted to say. One, I think the earliest was like, um, I guess if it feels really overwhelming to be like, well, I can't be, you know, stopping every four seconds to tell people to check in and, and giving a million options for everything. Like I only have 45 minutes to teach. Like I'm not gonna be able to get through everything. Um, what I find worked well. And again, I haven't taught in a very long time. So I think I would do a lot of things differently <laughs> based on what I've learned <laughs> over the last seven years. Um, but what I think works well, and I think Billy does this a lot in their classes is, start like from the get-go you set the tone of checking in with yourself this is what's important this is what's not important this is what I want you to focus on first pose you give like a bunch of options and then you can kind of like wean off of that more or less unless you get to something really complicated that demands a lot of different options because people know what the tone is at the beginning and mm-hmm. it's almost like the expectation like I'm expecting you to explore a bunch of different options to figure out what moves, what feels best for you to stay here as long as feels good. I'm going to hold the pose for 10 seconds. If you've tapped out at seven, that's fine. Like this is a resting pose. Come back to this place. Like, you know what I mean? You set up what, what the expectation of like a resting pose is at the beginning, you, two options, whatever, um, or wild card third that they want to pick on their own time. Um, and then you know, first pose, you give your, you know, extensive options, explain what the expectations are on finding what works well for you. And then the next time around, maybe the pose is very similar. And so you don't need to give as many options. You've already ran through a bunch of different variations on where people can put their feet, where they can point their hands, how they can move their shoulders. Like, you know, I mean, that sequence has already been set up. So don't overwhelm yourself with over explaining every single pose because yeah you'll only get through three <laughs> and that's not going to be like a power style class or whatever mm-hmm. you know uh in an hour if you're <laughs> stopping to talk all the time <laughs> it's when you're moving more slowly at the beginning take the time to set the expectations mm-hmm. and that way you don't need to come back to that every time also as a teacher if you're consistent about this people who are coming back multiple times already know that foundation that groundwork has already been laid the expectations mm-hmm. there um Fuck, I had two other things that were I thought were really interesting. <laughs> and I got caught up on this one. Um, hopefully they'll come back to me. There we go. <laughs> I think it's um, it can it can definitely feel overwhelming if you're not used to giving options. And it also doesn't mean you have to give a million options for each pose or you know, uh, multiple. It might be like if you're instructing, I don't know, a forward fold might have say like okay you might have your like hands on the floor or bring your elbows above your knees you mm-hmm. might um you might just start by taking out any of the cues that involve um like favoring one specific shape for the posture mm-hmm. um so taking out something like you know, for, for a squat, for example, like have your feet hips distance apart, like step your feet apart, let them choose. That's giving the option right there without it being, you know, like a bunch, if you have time and you want to focus on the squat in your mm-hmm. class, like, you know, then explore a little bit and then bring that back in with other yeah, postures. Like you pick if you your want movement to. to get really in depth with, mm-hmm. and then 
yeah 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 that makes sense yeah or mm-hmm. having it be like um for warrior two like your back foot can point to the side or a little bit forward yeah and it's some like when and it, at it first just becomes it, quick to say yeah. these little things yeah yeah at first it feels like a lot and it feels it can feel a little confusing and overwhelming but it does get as you practice it it does get a little easier because it is sort of a it's not it's changing sort of your approach to it mm-hmm. and I will say too not everyone is going to like this approach um which is okay you're you're you don't have to your teaching does not have to be for everybody um you teach the way that it feels best for you mm-hmm. um and there are definitely going to be people who want you to tell them specifically this like very certain shape to make in order for it to be like quote unquote the right shape but i think it's so worth unlearning that there is one specific shape because there's been so many classes i've been in that i thought something was wrong with my body that i say in the squat I'll just use that one, like having my feet close together. I hate that. I hate it. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like I'm going to fall over. Well, it and doesn't it wasn't work until... for a lot of, um, I don't know how to say it without being super gendered. I want to say female anatomy, but like anatomy that has typically like wider pelvis with the, um, like humerus coming out at an angle Mm -hmm. and you know what I mean like that's how if you're structured like that even your like squat is technically going to be a wide squat if we're Mm -hmm. talking about like lifting um like I know that that whatever when I was much more into lifting it was like almost boring on like what's called a sumo squat which is where your legs Mm -hmm. are really really wide apart because squatting for me my legs need to be really far apart so my butt can actually come all the way down Mm because if not it's just going to hit my, like the back of my calves and not, it doesn't work as a squat anymore. It's like a half squat. So if I need to get all the way down to the ground, my legs are going to be really wide apart, wider than somebody with much narrower hips, Mm -hmm. um, a narrower pelvis and like a humerus that like points straight down instead of out to the side. Hmm. Um, like that's just, it's just anatomy. Like, you know what I mean? So if someone's saying like, put your hips under your shoulders like well even I have like wide shoulders so or my my feet under your shoulder like shoulder width apart like it's going to be wider than somebody else with narrower shoulders so like yes it doesn't look like it does on you but it's what works Mm -hmm. for me you know Mm -hmm. and it took again a while to figure out that like it's not supposed to pinch your lower back when you go into a squat like (laughs) it's actually pretty comfortable as a position um not for everybody because it requires uh quite um quite a great range of motion in your ankles to be able to squat, which is not something you think about. Um, but yeah, like squatting is actually a really technical position. Um, it, it can't just look one way. It has to work really well for you because there's a lot of different points at which it can go wrong and cause injury. So, and like, it actually demands like a, a pretty, again, like great range of motion in ankles, your knees, hips, like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's not as simple, like just drop into a squat. <laughs> it's, no, not, it's not, it's not easy. Like and that. I think in yoga classes, it tends to be, um, like a yogi yogic squat or one that you'll see a lot in say powerful pose is your feet pretty close together. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Jordan, it's just not, it doesn't work for everyone based on your, sometimes based on your bone structure, your, mm-hmm. the hip sockets might even be different side to side. So you might have one leg out further than the other one. And if your toes pointing out, toes pointing forwards, but also the length of your bones, like the length of your shin bone compared to your, um, compared to your thighs, compared to the length of your torso, it's going to depend on whether you're upright or whether you're leaning forwards. A lot of times, if you're taught yoga in a certain way, you're taught it has, you have to be upright. Your knees can't pass your ankles, which is BS. Um, yeah, that's really old school, yeah. by the way. It's not, yeah. uh, that's not the important part. The important part is keeping your knees and toes pointing in the same direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what you want to like, again, there's like a lot of little tiny tweaks, um, which I do find. And even me seven years ago when I was teaching yoga, that there was not enough emphasis put on the actual anatomy part and like how 
bodies are structured, how muscles are attached to each other. Mm. Things I know now because I'm fascinated by it, not to the level of someone with a, any kind of kinesiology training. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of like little like cues, again, to go back to like the squatting example. Like, again, so we're going to pick one thing to work on right now. Like today, we're going to work on ankle mobility for this specific person in their squat. Or today, I really want you to just focus on keeping your knees and feet or knees and toes pointing in the same direction. Um, Today, I just want you to, you know, sit on a block and feel what it feels like to get your hips like opened up a little bit wider, like just like tiny little things today. I want to see what it feels like to like kind of slouch forward a little bit, or I want to see what it feels like for you to like point your like sternum a little bit higher up towards the sky. Like, I don't know, there's just like a lot of because the squat is such a complicated movement that seems really simple mm-hmm. instead of making it look like a picture focus on tackling one tiny cue at a time um, mm-hmm. and I do feel like that can be pulled into teaching other postures you don't need to do all of it all at once mm-hmm. you know just work on one little thing at a time yeah. you know it just yeah and really focus on the the piece that reminds people to check in with themselves and see, you know, does it feel better if I do this or this? Oh, I've never mm-hmm. tried warrior three with my toes pointing a little bit forward instead mm-hmm. of off to the side. How does yeah. that feel? Um, and I think that's part of that, like setting the tone part. Um, if you want people to feel like they're allowed, quote unquote, to try a different variation, think everybody needs to be encouraged to just give it a shot like yes you've always done this way why don't you just see what it feels like oh it doesn't feel good great now you already know which one (laughs) is better for you (laughs) like Mm -hmm. or oh that feels a little bit better hey have you actually tried maybe just putting your hand on your hip instead of putting it out because it hurts your shoulder or like there's just different ways to do things it doesn't need to be done the same way as everybody else because I don't know if you've noticed but those are different bodies (laughs) your body like yeah yeah we can never be an expert on anyone else's body we can never assume not even like if we can't assume by looking at someone what is happening in their body yes maybe you can tell like their knees aren't pointing in the same direction as your toes but your you don't know their their body's history you don't know their emotional history their mm-hmm. like there's so much and and as teachers we are also not experts on all things body. Like we can study anatomy for forever, um, but we specifically don't know about this particular person's that body person's, and what yeah. it's been through and how they've lived. So it's, I think the um, it's tricky, but I think the the one of the biggest things that can be impactful is noticing when you're assuming what's happening in someone's body, mm-hmm. which is tricky mm-hmm. for sure. And I would also say on that line, like if you're ever doing hands-on, always, always ask them first. Um, and if I also recommend like, you, like not just listening to this podcast and you're like, okay, like I'm, mm-hmm. I can teach in a more inclusive, inclusive trauma-informed way. way. Like this is a, this is a long journey. Um, I've done two different trainings and I still want to take a bunch more. I would definitely recommend taking a trauma-informed workshop of some sort Mm -hmm. um some of the things that can be helpful is this like not assuming what's happening in someone's body not touching them not touching their body without their consent not um standing behind them when they're in a posture like a forward fold Mm -hmm. um being really mindful of where you are letting them leave the room like making it clear if they have to go to the bathroom go to the bathroom if they have to like get up and leave for whatever reason I mean, obviously it depends on the studio and if you might communicate like, Hey, the door's closed. Like if you need to leave the room, like sit outside, whatever. But, um, that's like an individual studio thing, but like, let them leave the room if they need to leave the room for whatever reason. Um, and then I try to use language that's very neutral in terms of what they're doing and it being really focused around, um, it being their choice. So I generally will say like, uh, try this or try this, not like I need to do this or I want you to do this. Like try this, try this, whatever you decide. Um, I will be careful of specific language 
language, I won't use it here, but around saying something like step your feet wide or mm -hmm. um, bring your feet closer together, not using that with the word legs, mm -hmm. um, not using terminology that's um, how do I explain this? Like essentially not using terminology that might be triggering, which is, you know, can be kind of an endless, can be fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. but also being, I think actually one of the most important things is being open to feedback mm -hmm. and checking in with if you've if, with how that might feel if you've never had feedback before um, from a student or from a teacher it, or even if you have it can feel really uncomfortable and if it's a student coming to you saying like hey I felt really unsafe in this or like this hurt or or if it's something like oh this pose felt weird like that's a different mm -hmm. approach but if it's some, someone comes to you and say like hey you said this word or hey you um said hey ladies and I I felt really excluded, didn't feel good for me. Um, being able to listen to that, like it takes, it takes a lot of guts for someone to come up to you and say like, hey, this hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. And when you're a teacher, there is this like kind of power dynamic to be a, like to be aware of. Um, so, or if you are working with clients or whatever, it's like, you know, they're not that we think that we're like, there's, we're better than them or whatever, but there is this like, because you're getting like having services from them or whatever, there is like a little bit of a power dynamic, but mm -hmm. taking a minute, if someone gives you feedback saying like, Hey, thank you for giving me this feedback. I will, like, I will think, I will like really think about it and I will reflect on it or I will learn if, you know, do another training on this or I will, um, whatever. And then like apologizing for it. And obviously it depends on the situation, but maybe following up with them saying like, Hey, I did this training or like, um, I want to like, let's, if, if you want, if you feel like you want to talk more about it, like, you know, send me an email or whatever, like not bringing your own, like not getting defensive. Mm -hmm. If it's obviously, if it's something like another teacher is criticizing you for teaching in this way where you're giving them options, like that's, a slightly different story. You're not just going to listen to them and be like, Hey, okay, I'm going to change my whole approach as a teacher. But if someone's saying like, Hey, I felt unsafe in this, listening to them and doing your best to really absorb it and thank them and like apologize. I think it can be really easy to slip into immediately, like trying to tell them why you did it and like recover the situation, but they don't need that. They just, they need you to like, they need to know that you heard them. Mm -hmm. and they need to feel seen mm -hmm. and with any of this work um that's one of the it's all kind of tied in right like you're not assuming someone's personal experiences and you're being open to learning from them about what they are or what works for them well, what we can never you. yeah exactly we can never we'll never be perfect like we will make mistakes we will slip up with our language sometimes or we like you know like forget and say like, Hey guys, when you've said it every, every day for the last 20 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I think also being kind to yourself too, when you make mistakes, like we all fuck up. Um, as long as no one's like seriously hurt, it's probably not the worst thing in the world. Um, and I think this work is like learning to be inclusive, both in like day-to-day life and as a teacher in movement like it's a vulnerable thing um it's a tricky thing and it can feel awkward when you're first starting saying like folks instead of guys or um learning to give some of these cues instead of um the way that you were taught or whatever but it's totally worth it and it can have a big impact um on your students like how they feel in their body. Because if what we're trying to do with all of this and what I think is a very big power in movement is helping people feel safe in their bodies. Some people, as we've talked about, 
have not felt safe in their bodies for most of their life or since they were a kid or maybe not even then like whether it's trauma related um food like eating disorder related diet culture related whatever it's so rare to have a space where you're just encouraged to make your own decisions for your own body to um to listen to your body and to take care of your body in this like really loving way um that when we go to a space and we're given the option to do this or this or we're given these options in a non-hierarchical way we can notice like oh hey my hips my squat feels way better when my knees are you know pointing out a little bit more my feet are a little bit wider like interesting and then it gives it's kind of empowers you to learn all these little details about your body which is which is so cool that we could do that and then you know when you like need to go, I don't know, pick something up or pick your kid up. You might, you know, like, okay, I'm going to bring my feet a little wider because it felt better in my squat. Like it connects to everything. And we have a space where we can feel included and safe. Um, even if it's just for movement, it can kind of trickle into other places. Cause then we can start to notice like, ah, this doesn't make me feel safe. This doesn't make me feel safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It all just reminds me of, um, so I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but like, um, I really like one of my kind of far off dreams is to become a doula and a piece of like one of the reasons why is because I had such a great experience, like with my midwives for my pregnancy. But like the reason I really like midwifery is because one of the tenants that kind of like guides their whole practice is informed consent. And that kind of comes up as like, the first like factor in any conversation or any decision-making is like, it's always led by informed consent. And so Mm -hmm. for them, that means that they're going to present to you the options. So do you want to do this screening? Do you want to do this ultrasound? Do you want to take this medication? Do you want to have this uh, injection done? Uh, You know, and they will explain to you why this is something that is included in prenatal care, um, what the benefits are, what the risks are, and then your decision. And then, that's it. Um, so their job is just to support you through whatever decision you make. So they go, you know, Jordan, you have GBS, so uh, group B strep, um, you know, which means we need to recommend um, like their protocols. So we need to recommend antibiotics, um, you know, during birth and, um, you know, three rounds, I think it was, or something like that, um, given a certain number of hours apart, blah, blah. Um, do you want to do this? Yes or no? Like, these are the reasons why we would do it. These are uh, risks associated with antibiotic use. What do you want to do? And, you know, like the first time I was like, um, no. Second time, there's different risk factors involved. So we leaned towards yes, slash like a modified plan, because that was what I was more comfortable with. Um, but like, there's a lot of back and forth with it. And there's a lot of, you know, always just like informed consent is just number one. So it's like, do you have questions? Like we can always circle back to this, like, you know, anyways, risks, benefits to every single decision. And I don't know, that's just kind of what it reminded me of when you're talking about giving people a space to explore their bodies and what feels good with them and all the different options available. Like if you've only been to like, like Bikram style yoga studios before, and you've just kind of been run through this, process in like unimaginable heat for an hour and a half and that's all you've ever done um or you've gone to I mean fuck, I went to an allegedly ashtanga um yoga teaching thing which was not taught the way I think it should have been taught but that's neither here nor there and they just kept feeding me poses and poses and poses and poses and the idea with Ashtanga is that you're supposed to kind of earn these poses so you're supposed to master like a certain set of them and then once you've kind of been cleared and like you're like 100% on those and you're given the next you're not supposed to just be given 15 poses in one day um, I think it's like three at a time but I'm not super sure hmm. I don't have a lot of background in that a little bit not a lot um, hmm. and so uh, if that's what you're used to, at least in the yoga world or in working out, they just kind of like hand you a program and say, this is what we're doing and it's going to look like everybody else. Or you go to like a group dance class and it's like, everyone's doing the same thing. So just do it. Um, you might not even know that options exist. Um, 
that you don't need to squat this way. You don't need to do warrior through this way. There are a lot of different options and the informed consent piece is that, yeah, you can do it exactly the way it's on the board. Uh, you know, even if it hurts your knees and your hips, like that's, that's up to you. If that's what you want to do hundred percent, you can throw yourself into a back bend uh, if it hurts your lower back. Like if that's what you want to do truly, like that's okay. You're allowed to do that. But the reason informed consent is so important to me is that I, and I think this is kind of informed consent. It doesn't get blurry, but I think this is part that's difficult for me in the beginning to understand. And I think people, when I explain it, it's a little bit difficult to understand is that you also don't even need to be like willing to hear my different options. Like that's also part of informed consent and me allowing not allowing me accepting that you have autonomy over your own body. That if you truly just don't want to hear it, I can't force you to. If you, despite hearing all the other options, still want to do it a certain way, that's okay. If you mm -hmm. enjoyed hearing all the options and you want to pick a different thing, that's okay too. But the thing is that it all has to be okay. It all has to just be neutral. Um, mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. I wonder how you feel that ties into this kind of teaching because for me it feels like there's a lot of parallels that like yes we can have all these idealistic ways of like I'm going to give people so many options and they're going to find what feels exactly good for them but there's also people that don't want to hear them and there's also people that are still going to pick something that's going to in our minds and maybe in reality hurt them because that's what they want to do and the important part is that you put the options out there and you will continue to support them Mm -hmm. in whatever option they choose yeah it doesn't have to be the option you would have picked for them yeah people will only go as far as they're ready they'll only hear or absorb what they're ready to hear and sometimes in this work in trauma work in leaving diet culture movement work <laughs> there's we can't we can't just jump in like if someone's never been to a class before, for example, where they've been encouraged to listen to this and they're given options, it can be really overwhelming. Maybe, or maybe they're like, they really like this particular option, even though they're like, oh, it kind of feels a bit weird in my knees. Um, or for whatever other, other stuff going on, they might not just not be ready to hear. They might not want to hear whatever. And that doesn't mean that we're doing anything bad as a teacher. And it also is still okay. Like, everyone is on their own journeys and making their own decisions. And sometimes we can, you know, give these options. And then maybe if it's a, it's a shape that, or if it's a specific alignment that looks like it would might cause pain, we might go up to them and say like, Hey, um, you know, check in with them, offer them help if they're wanting it. Sometimes they won't. And we're just like, okay, like, I know I tried, I did my best. Um, but we're never going to force them to, you can't be like, hey, I, you have to pick the option that feels best. You have to do it this way. Like people can, well, like there will be people who come into your class and they do not listen to any of the things you say and they do their own thing and they do the thing that looks dangerous or whatever. Um, but it's okay. They're their own people. They're making their own decisions for one reason or another. They're needing to be doing that and all we can do is hold space and like be available to them if they decide like that they want to talk about it and they want options maybe you say like hey you can talk to me after class if you want to have a couple other options or if you want to like talk about this pose more or whatever um but it's not it's not a personal thing it's not you know they're not doing it just to spite us but they're also they're just doing their best like everybody else and I think it's um Sometimes it can be like a tricky position um, as a teacher, depending on the, depending on the case, depending on the day or the specific situation, obviously, some of them might be a little bit easier to sort of brush off or to uh, like, accept than others who definitely can sometimes be. Um, I think I like, as long as at the end of the day, they're not causing harm to anybody else in the class. Yeah. It is what it is. And that's yeah, the decision exactly. they made. You did your part on, mm -hmm one, offering options in a neutral way and two, supporting people's decision no matter what they made. Mm -hmm. So the third criteria is, are they injuring anyone else around them in yeah. any way, shape or form? No, fine. So like if they're yeah. trying to do like 
fucking handstand in the middle class. No, that has pot- potential to cause harm and injury to people around them. That's mm-hmm. not okay. That's not, I did not mm-hmm. offer that period. No, that's a yeah safety issue. But Boundary, yeah. if you want to just, I don't know, do some stupid, that's just going to hurt your back. Mm-hmm. It, that's, that's 100% on you. Mm-hmm. And I can, again, support you through that decision. I can help you maybe make a little bit of tweaks to see if that uh, position that you really want to be in can feel a little bit better. If you're truly not interested in making it feel better, again, as long as you're not hurting anybody else, it's, uh, yeah. that's on you. You're an adult. It's your decision. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely true. Um, I think we're probably close to wrapping up, but there's so much other stuff we could touch on. I guess I'll just really briefly touch on a couple things that I think I'm not going to go into explaining them, obviously, because we've, you know, we could talk about this for probably forever, but um, notice if you're calling out only the people, like if you're saying, oh, great job, Jordan, or whatever, you're only calling out like that when people are doing the, like the, the version of the pose that's seen as like the, like, what do you the call pinnacle, it? Like the yeah. version, mm-hmm. the pinnacle version. Mm-hmm. Um, don't assume people in bigger bodies are not flexible, are not strong, are not mm-hmm. capable. Um, don't just don't assume anything about <laughs> their body based on size. That's like absolutely not an indication. Um, and there is a whole bunch of really important stuff to a really important work to do as teachers or just human beings um, in figuring out our privilege and our bias mm-hmm. and unpacking our bi- uh, unpacking bias. Um, I have some resources on my website, but I'm still building it. And I think I accidentally lost a bunch of them <laughs> when I, there's a whole incident with my Chromebook a while back where I got frustrated and reset it and then lost all of my stuff, which is my own fault. But anyway, I'm building resources there, but there's so many other so many other voices to um, look to for this uh, education. And I think um, it's important, especially in a yoga in westernized culture is primarily skinny white women presenting people, not all for sure. But that's like, if you look on Instagram or look on Facebook or whatever, there's a lot of it. And there's, um, it's so important to be unpacking our um, fat bias are um, any racial bias unpacking all you know so much there's so I feel much like each of those um, deserves its own yeah its own segment um, they do talk about those biases in teaching in yeah in movement and I was going to say, and in diet culture, but then that feels like another episode all in its own because 45 minutes is not enough. Um, no, it's a little over that now. I feel like I want, I don't know if this is still appropriate, but I wanted to end with like just a saying that, and I'm not, sometimes I feel like when I'm talking, it feels like I'm trying to pretend that I'm perfect. Um, and so I get a little bit of anxiety around that because it's not my intention. I'm just trying to also speak confidently about things that I think I know about. <laughs> um, but just something that I try to bring back to myself when I'm struggling uh, with other people's actions, I guess, or other people's reaction to something I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to define it, but just the phrase is like, what's the most generous interpretation of the situation, right? And so someone is mm-hmm. not doing what you said in class. Someone is, you know, you laid out a plan. Someone reacted in a way that you weren't expecting um, or whatever. You ran into someone and something happened. Um, what's the most generous interpretation of the situation? They got caught off mm-hmm. guard. They want to do something else. They um, are having a bad day and moving in this way is going to make them feel better. Um you know, what's the most generous interpretation? Not like, well, they hate the sound of my voice. I should have planned a different kind of class. Like, you know, you don't need to spiral down a negative mm-hmm. path. It does happen. But the most generous interpretation of the situation is just that this isn't working for them. They found something else that does, mm-hmm. you know, like as an example. I don't know. Yeah. I find that helpful sometimes to just, what's the most generous way to look at this? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. That's it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, I know we're going over our 45 minute mark. Not that any of like you did not necessarily start listening to this podcast, being like, I expect each episode to be 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> Something we strive so, for. Though. I feel like we're pretty. Yeah, we're an hour, an hour now. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's okay. I feel like we are, you know, it's all good. Hopefully this came off as helpful and made sense to you because when I started talking and saying it all, I don't know that it made sense to me, but <laughs> let us know. It, it, it packaged itself together nicely. I think okay. I'm happy. <laughs> awesome. Um, please, if you could take a second to rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff, as you we were saying before, like share it on your social media, tag us. We love seeing it. Um, send us any of your questions about anything, um, your specific experiences with, um, you know, diet culture and yoga and fitness and pregnancy and any of the things we talked about, or really anything, send us, send us your stories and, um, Thanks for listening. <laughs>